0: Right. Today, we're going to be discussing community connections, building community connections. And as you can see, our trajectory is going to start with us hitting the ground running. We are going to start with passion. So before we get started with passion, uh, let's pray briefly. Father God, I ask that You would guide us now as we study Your Word, as we open Your book and read from it. Lord, help us to apply the text that You inspired to our lives. Help us use it to boldly increase Your kingdom. God, we want everyone to know Jesus. We want everyone to know the saving grace that He has offered, the power of Your Holy Spirit being able to work in them. God, we want that for everyone. Lord, we pray that you will use us to carry that message out to our community today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Reaching out to our community. We know that Jesus wants us to go. This comes from what we've been studying from Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. He has told us to go out and spread the good word. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to do the work of spreading the message of salvation through Jesus. And you know, you know just as well as I do, that we can't reach everyone right here inside of this building. First of all, we can't hardly fit any more people the way it is. We can't reach everyone inside of this building. Uh, And there are folks also that don't want to come to church, that will never come to church, or I say never, that think they will never come to church, but we must reach them. You know, the end of last year, uh, my wife and I were praying, God, what do you have planned for us this year? What do you have planned? What are you wanting us to do? And how can we best do your work, God? We, we prayed that. And he gave us a very clear message of building. Now, uh, I was tempted to argue with God. That's never good. And uh, I, 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 I thought, God, uh, uh, and this is what I was thinking. Why would you have us build and I didn't know exactly what building meant, but why would you have us build when, when uh, we just come through the, the pandemic um, and we were lucky to, to be making it through that well, right? At the first of the pandemic, uh, we, we, had, we had a building fund. We're, we're working on actually building a, a physical building and um, I thought, oh no, we're going to have to use this building fund to survive off of to pay the church utility bills and to do things like that. Uh, God is good. Um, we didn't have to do anything of that sort. Uh, so God tells us to build. Um, by the way, our building fundraiser over here on the wall, if you will take notice, it is uh, all gone. There is no more envelopes on there. And I I just heard this morning that one of our youth took the last three envelopes off. Uh, So I I am so excited that you guys, the youth, uh, took... A leadership role in that. I know even even the small kids were playing part of it. Uh, Flint often and maybe he's done it to you so I I didn't plan it. It it wasn't my fault. I didn't set him up to it but Flint would get an envelope off of there and he would uh, evidently have scrounged um, some money up out of the couch cushions like a dollar seven and bring it and he said he would bring it to me or to grandpa and say hey I've got some money let's finish this envelope off you know. (laughs) He was putting his seven in there. And uh, sometimes I would be like, uh, where did you find that money? Because i got to go dig through the couch cushions now um, to fill it up. We'll have to wait till Wednesday. But uh, we have raised $5,050 because of that effort. Um, we have a building fund. We are working on, on our facilities. And, you know, this building process that we're working on in 2021, it's not just a physical building. But it's building upon the solid foundation of Jesus. We worked it out in four main pillars of building this year. Uh, you've heard them before. The first one is leaders. The second one is facilities. That would be a building to house more of us. And the the third one is community connections. And the fourth one was marriage. Now the uh, third and fourth, sometimes that was the fourth and third and the marriages, but, but uh, now we've done the first two basically, so it's time to preach on one and quite frankly I'm a little bit nervous about the marriage one because not only do I get to preach about that, but I get to learn about it and then I have to be that and uh, I'm not ready for that yet. That's going to be a uh, maybe a testing time in my. You can pray for your preacher because I, I get to learn through that. But I'm I'm looking forward to the blessed marriage that we will have. By the way, it is our anniversary, so tell, tell Jessica happy anniversary. Um. So we prayed to God. Uh, do you really want us to push forward? And so now we're doing community connections. We're gonna maybe work through Acts a little bit, talking about how they reached out to their community. God, do you really want me to do community connections right now? Like, if we're to preach the Word, if you guys are to go out and, and take the Word of God into the community, then we're going we to bring Him in? I mean, we don't, we don't really have... When we're praising God, we don't even have room to stick up your arms without smacking somebody in the nose. Uh, so, God, do you really want us to bring more people in when we don't have room? He said, listen... There is work to be done. And and I'm common. Maybe I I think that uh, sometimes, well, we should just tie a knot hang on, right? Uh, Maybe let's just get through this this time until we get the building made and and put up. And then we can invite folks into our building, uh, hunker down. But no, God says there is work to be done. His work goes on. Matthew chapter three, verse two says, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or is near now, what does this mean? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is near where is that at hand? You know I think of my pocket knife it's 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 handy, handy right right here in my pocket in case I need it to cut a string or to uh, open a package of candy for flint. It's near, if I need it. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, uh, and the others tell us, it is at hand. It is near. Now, he doesn't say it's going to happen next week or next year, and it might happen, either one of those. But he says it is at hand. It's handy. It could happen any time we could see the fullness of God's kingdom, Jesus could come back. Repent. Turn the other way towards Jesus because the kingdom is handy. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, of verse 2 says, uh, God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, next week, or next year. We are to live today as the right time for salvation. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 Also says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Can you see the urgency here? Comes judgment. And right after that verse, in verse 28, it says... Christ was offered once all time as a sacrifice to take away the sin of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly are waiting for Him. Can you sense the urgency here? That work, when God says there's work to be done, that work that is to be done is most effectively done by you, by you guys out here, the ones that are uh, that are sitting here reading this scripture. Now, let me tell you about this. Uh, say, for instance, that, that there is a fella and uh, and he likes tech things. Um, he is all into computers, and and <clears throat> um, this is what he does, and this is his job, and and he works at a tech place, and. Uh <clears throat> If I were to meet him in the community and tell him about Jesus, he doesn't know about Jesus. He doesn't come to church. And if I were to tell him about Jesus, uh, he would be like, what are you, a preacher? He'd be like, yeah. Okay, it's your job. It's your job to do that. Um, You're doing what you're paid to do. But if somebody who worked with him, somebody who was with him every day, Uh, solving uh, server errors and um, putting technology things together. You can tell I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, Doing this kind of a thing, the thing that he does. He might listen. He might be like, well, this fella does what I do every day. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. So, you guys, being where the people are most effectively, share with those who can trust you, who are working alongside of you. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Not just some, not a few, not most, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord and then in the next verse he says and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them how can they hear about him unless somebody somebody's got to tell them and that someone is you mr technician mr banker mr welder mr uh, mrs homemaker junior high school students, that is you, person who follows Jesus. Now we're in a constant state of uh, physical decline. You know what I mean? Unless unless you're in your your young part of your days. Uh, We're constantly working towards the end of our lives here on earth. And we don't like to think about that. It doesn't sound very attractive to think, well, this is one less day that I have here on earth. But let me tell you, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you have a relationship with Him, if you have called on the name of the Lord, then guess what? That end is not the sunset. It's the sunrise. As you get closer to your end on this earth, the horizon gets brighter because you're closer and closer to living with your Creator every single day in a place where there is none of the nonsense that we face every day. How many of y'all deal with nonsense every day, right? You don't have to go very far to find nonsense, whether it's at your job with uh, kids that are running crazy or it's on TV or it's with a... with your own family members or whatever. There's nonsense going on. And that's a good word for it. There's bad... We don't want to deal with this stuff forever. We want to get out of that. And this is what we have to look forward to. The sun is rising at the end of our lives whenever that may be, whenever it may come. We don't have to fear the end. Folks are perishing. Though, outside of us, outside of this body of Christ, folks are perishing, and we can't sit around and wait until it's too late for them. The folks who don't have the sunrise at the end of their life. So I encourage you to share the saving message of Jesus every chance you get. Now, this is what the first church did. In the book of Acts, uh, we see the disciples, the apostles, and the other Christians, they start to build up a church, and they do a good job. And I love the book of Acts. And, <clears throat> and uh, one of the main stories <clears throat> in Acts is the conversion of Paul. Uh, Paul is is kind of... the. One of the the leaders, seemingly, in carrying out the word and his conversion is an amazing story for us. We we, uh, talked about it a few weeks ago. Now, uh, Peter and the other disciples, they'd already been uh, preaching about Jesus. They'd already been working together to increase the kingdom. And so when Paul comes along, he's a little bit late on the job. Uh, the other guys have been doing it for a little bit. Uh, they had walked with Jesus. They had been taught by Jesus. Paul hadn't. Paul had been persecuting the followers of Jesus. And so Paul comes a little bit late on the job, but boy, when he gets there, he doesn't waste any time. When Jesus gets a hold of Paul, look out. Acts chapter 9, verse 20 says he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Urgency. What gives Paul this urgency? What is it? I think there are three things that gives Paul this urgency to share the message of Christ. Uh, number one, he's just one of those guys that has an intense uh, personality. Uh, he's very intense about what he does. Right? Just one of them guys. Everything they do, they do the full blast. Uh, uh, you know, throttle to the to the floor. Whatever they do, it's just personality. Number two, um, God blinded him. Like when God uh, got a hold of Paul, it was pretty traumatic. Like, bright light, Paul was blind, couldn't see anymore. If you had something happen like that, if your conversion was like that, maybe uh, it would be a little bit easier to be like, whoo, oh, it's time to go. It's time to do work for God. Time to be urgent. And a third thing I think uh, that contributes to Paul's urgency is one that we often don't realize, often don't think about. And this is Paul's desire to make up for the wrong that he had done. Now, I don't mean that he had to make up for the wrong that he had done. Listen, when he repented, when he asked Jesus for forgiveness, then it was done. He was forgiven. That's all it took. But the motivation to do God's will often comes when we realize what he has forgiven us from. This is where motivation often comes from. It must have been hard for Paul in his mind after realizing what he had done and now God had got a hold of him and what he needed to do. The mental conflict or anguish must have been difficult there's a Jewish pastor, a Christian pastor in, in, in Israel. His name is Mano Kalisher. Um He served in the Israeli Air Force. Uh, all, the, all the young fellows, the young people serve in the Air Force there. And he was in, or serve in the military. Now, he served in the Air Force. He was in the Special Forces. And he, he tells the story of what happened when they were in a time of conflict. And uh, he says there was a pilot and the pilot went out on a mission over Lebanon. The jet fighter was flying over Lebanon and came across a convoy of tanks. And he turned around and with a f- push of a few buttons uh, released his bombs <clears throat> and destroyed the whole convoy of tanks. Just with a push of a few buttons. He promptly turned and, and flew back to the Israeli base and walked in and, and He was the hero for two minutes. And then he realized that the fellas inside of those tanks were his own Israeli brothers. He had bombed his own countrymen. This must have been the way that Paul felt after his conversion, Paul would have realized that Stephen, the Christian that was dying at his feet when everybody else was stoning him, at the approval of Paul, was his brother. All the followers of Jesus they he had persecuted were now on his team. This must have been difficult. Can you imagine what Paul must have felt like? Think of the damage that you've done to others in this life. Not for long, but just just briefly. You know, we all make mistakes and we all create havoc in other people's lives from time to time. Maybe you can imagine what Paul felt after you come to realization that what you were doing is wrong, you want to work to make it right. Maybe the damage is already done and you have to move on and, and God has other plans, but it's time to move forward. Paul does this immediately. He began preaching. Verse 22 says, his preaching was powerful. The Jews... They couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was the Messiah. Paul was intense. He was intense at what he used to do, persecuting Christians, and now he was intense about the urgency of spreading salvation. You know, you know the cars that you used to play with as a kid. I had several different types of cars. And the ones that went by themselves were the coolest. When I was young, uh, I guess the battery cars weren't weren't the most popular. So so we had two different kinds. Uh, There was there was the kind of car that you that you pulled back, like you know, it snaps at the end, you know, it's done, and you turn it loose, and it goes like that. Uh, Pullback cars, Flint calls them. Um, Those cars, they're a lot of fun. You know, you pull them back. And then you let them go, and they, they pick up their pace slowly. And then, boy, when they get wrapped up, they just take off. This is like some of us. When we get converted, when, when we finally put our faith in Jesus, uh, it's like it starts as Jesus getting a hold of us. He gets a hold of us, and he's pulling us back. Man, we want to go that way, the way of, of of our own mind. But God's pulling us back more and more and more, and we're slowly understanding what it is to be a follower of Jesus, the importance of devoting our life to Him rather than losing our life to hell. And He pulls us back until we click, 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 click. He's got us. He turns us the other way, right? Turns loose and shoo, takes off. Some of us are like that, some of us are like, uh, Like the other kind of car that I had, and that maybe you had as well. This kind of car isn't the pullback kind of car. It's the kind of car that is inertia-driven, like um, a push car. You know, like this. And then then you, you turn it loose, and it's like... Some people are like this kind of car. This is what Paul was. So Paul was like that. Uh, God gets a hold of Paul, strikes him blind, and Paul hops up and goes to uh, to the place and hears from the other people and believes in Paul. God God gets along, ring, 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 and then turns Paul loose. And immediately, man, he's like ah, putting little black marks on Grandma's white kitchen floor and just takes off leaving two trails worth of fire while he's heading out to preach the good news of Jesus. Paul is on fire. Acts chapter 9, verse 23. Follow along with me. Acts chapter 9, verse 23 says, After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a basket through an opening in the city wall. Paul was on fire, and he was a-spinning out. God got a hold of him, and he was going full throttle, and he was a little bit too much, it seems. The Jews were like, oh, no, we can't have this, so we're going to kill him, right? There's a solution. Let's just get rid of him. And so we're watching for him, and his other Christians around him were like, oh, man, we've got, we got to take care of Paul. So they put him in a basket and get him out of here because he's too hot right now. Let's get him someplace where he, he won't be killed. And, and they lower him down in a basket. Uh, this reminds me of another story in the Jesus... Uh, when he is healing people, or he's teaching inside of a house, you remember the story. It comes from um, Luke chapter five, and and uh, there's a lame man, and his friends want him to be healed, desperately want this lame man to walk, and so they go to where they know Jesus is at, and he's teaching inside of his house, and it's so full that they can't get him in. Now, do they wait until everybody leaves? the house so that Jesus can heal him when it's clear enough? No, they don't. They take that fella to the roof and they dig down through the roof and lower him right in front of Jesus. And Jesus sees the faith of his buddies and he heals the fella just like that. It was urgent. They wanted their guy healed. Right then. And in this situation, there's another kind of fella in a basket being lowered down. The desperateness, the urgency is still there. But this time, the person being lowered down in the basket is desperate and urgently wanting to share Jesus' name. Are you desperately and urgently Wanting to share Jesus? Listen, folks, people are perishing. The people you spend time with every day at work. The people you see once a week during your meetings, they aren't going to live forever. And after death comes judgment. And those people, they don't have to fear judgment we don't fear judgment and they don't have to fear judgment because that verse we read earlier says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they going to hear unless you tell them? Let's look at some specific ways that Paul shared the good news with others. Number one, Paul joined up with some people who had experience. This is a good thing to do. Um, This pretty much applies to everything that you do. Join somebody that knows what's going on, that knows how to do it. Uh, I'm working on teaching Lexi how to drive my stick shift. And and she's doing pretty good. She can drive it on her own. It doesn't always look or sound the prettiest. But, um, you know... I couldn't just tell Lexi, and maybe I'm underestimating her. She probably could. But I couldn't just tell her, hey, go and drive the truck. You let out the clutch and push the gas a little bit, and it'll work. I probably couldn't just tell her to do that. Um, I got to sit in the truck with her first, and she watches and sees how it's done. And then she gets in the driver's seat and slowly learns, as I help her you know, let off on the clutch a little and push on the gas a little and if it starts to buck, push back in or let all the way out. Um, And start this process of teaching. Uh, When we join up with someone with experience, the learning curve is much better. We learn faster and it's easier and we don't destroy as many things. When taking the Word of God to your community, uh, get someone to help you with it. Having someone help you or with you will help you fine-tune your method. Uh, I don't know how to, uh, you know, sometimes I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. And sometimes I may come on too heavy or I may come on too light, but if I have my wife there, she's a cool helper. She's always willing to um, tell me uh, how, to, how to do that um, in a good way. Oh, I've done it again, haven't I? Um, yeah. so have, uh, Paul tried to do this Like Paul tried in uh, chapter 9 of Acts verse 26 uh, Paul uh, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him they did not believe he had truly become a believer mm. he was too much makes sense right? He was on fire. And he was too much. And they knew his past. Uh, he, probably they didn't think he was broken enough. Like, Here comes a guy super intense for doing the bad thing. And now he's super intense for uh, doing the good things. And uh, where's the broken middle ground that we see the transition part? Well, uh, Paul didn't really necessarily have that. There wasn't It was a... And so Paul was ready to go, and they were worried about it. So he goes and he tries to become part of these guys to learn from them. And um, they're like, no, we don't, we, we, don't, we don't trust you. Until a fella uh, comes along named Barnabas. Now the other guys were probably thinking about Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, which is a very good verse for us to keep in mind. It says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. This is a good verse for us to live by. Uh, These guys probably had this in mind and they were prudent. What does prudent mean? It's using good judgment. Um, They're probably using some good judgment saying, I don't know about Paul. Um, But then Barnabas comes along and he vouches for Paul. Uh, He convinces them to give Paul a chance. Paul and Barnabas probably had some similarities like I believe they both were uh, originally Greek speakers. Um, so when we're working in the community with people and we have that commonality, it breaks down barriers. So Paul and Barnabas, you know, had some didn't have some of the barriers that uh, Paul would have had with some of the others. So they had uh, a commonality and uh Barnabas was able to get them to accept Paul. If you want to connect with your community and make it stronger, do it together. And number two, uh, be in it for the long haul. Be willing to teach and willing to shepherd. Acts chapter 11, verse 25 Says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Barnabas and Paul, they spent a whole year teaching at this one place, like as much fires they had inside of them. Um, and as hot as they were, they stayed right there and they taught for a full year. And coincidentally, the, the people there, that they, they became what we know as literally the first uh, Christians with the name of Christian, the verse tells us. You can tell someone all day long how to do something. You can tell them how to do it as much as you want. But until... You show them, until you teach them, until you spend time working with them, they're probably not going to fully understand it. If you want to connect with your community and make it stronger, be in it for the long haul. Be willing to teach and be willing to lead. And number three, don't be partial about who you encourage in the name of Jesus. Don't be partial. Paul shared the good news with both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, both of them. And he would start in the synagogues where the Jewish folk would be and he would be sh- sharing the good news and then he would go out to where the Gentiles, the people who didn't just believe in the one God but they believed in many gods and he would share the good news with them. Uh, he didn't work on just the ones that were comfortable to work with. Uh, we all probably have those people in mind that, boy, I don't want to share Jesus with them. Either, number one, uh, I don't like them, so I don't want them to be a Christian. You know, that, that's not, you should repent of that thought. Um, or, you know, you think, boy, that person would never become a Christian, so I'd be wasting my time. The verse we read before says, everyone who calls on the name Everyone. So that includes the people that we think would never put their faith in Jesus. And the worst person, the most wound up, extreme, uh, urgent, uh, hostile person, might be the most wound up, extreme, loving person for Jesus if you share the word of God with them. If you if you assume how a person will react, you are often wrong. Right? Our assumptions on how a person will react to something we say are often wrong. I was driving to driving to the church this morning, and my wife came along with me. We're spending time together because it's our anniversary, and uh, you know I couldn't find it. A title for my my message. And I was like, "What's the perfect thing to call it?" And and so just said, "Oh no, let me read through it and uh, and then then I'll, I'll help you out." And at first I was <laughs> like, "I know how this has gone in the past." Uh, you know, I I have my and she she is so excited. Um, and she reads my sermon. She's like pulling out scripture to add in here and oh, you should say this. No, oh, you should say that and this and. Boy, I get all confused and I forget what I was preaching about in the first place, and I lose my place. And uh, and God bless her for being amazing like that. But so I I was hesitant to hand her that uh, that message to see if she could help me come up with the title, but I did because it was an anniversary, and uh, she read it and said, "Oh, okay," and then gave me help with the title. It's like, "What?" I didn't expect that. You see, our assumptions on how a person will react are often wrong. So when you're thinking about reaching out to that person uh, that you think will have a bad reaction, just, just don't make those assumptions. Share God's Word with them anyway. If you want to connect with your community and make it stronger, Don't be partial about who you share Jesus with. Last verse for today, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit your actions to the Lord. You know, sometimes life looks like a mountain that you can't climb, right? Sometimes it seems impossible. Sometimes you think, boy God, why did you make me the way I am? Because I'm sure no good for sharing your message. Or I don't think I've got what it takes. But God says He will provide that for you. And if we commit our actions to the Lord, then our plans will succeed. It's what God said. And if our actions are committed to Him in sharing His Word, He's double going to be for what we're doing. He wants us to spread His Word and if we have a plan to do it, He will bless us in that. So, what is your plan? I'm going to assume that since you're here in church today, you're sitting here listening to the Word of God that He has already gotten a hold of you. And maybe he's still pulling you back and you haven't quite clicked yet. Or maybe he's in the process right now of winding you up. But what's it look like when he turns you loose and lets you go? Living a life without purpose won't get you anywhere but lost. Do you have hope in a life that's better than this earth can offer? I hope so. And if that's the case, why not share that hope with others in your community? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to learn about you and your word. Uh, I ask that now you would give us all what we need to share. Your message, Lord, I thank You so much that we don't have to fear the coming of the end of this world. Lord, we can look forward to being with You, God. Lord, I thank You for Your saving grace. I thank You for uh, every blessing that You provide for us. Lord, help us to share this amazing good news of salvation, of eternal life in a perfect place. Help us to share that with our community. Lord, we don't know how it's going to work out. God, we, we don't know. If we share with our community what will happen, we know it's good, though, God, because we know that's what you want us to do. Would help us to do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.